wonderful. Praise the Lord. All right. Uh, I love hearing families sing. Amen. Amen. Well, I uh, uh, want you to go to Luke chapter 12 tonight. That's where we were this morning. And I really, I, I, I did me a little battle to most, uh, as soon as I got home, had a bite to eat and spent the rest of the afternoon almost nonstop just working and uh, really worked on two different messages. And so, uh, but uh, just kept uh, after the Lord to just to solidify the direction. And so I, uh, I'm going back to just kind of conclude uh, a little bit of where I was this morning. But Luke chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trode one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For, is there, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear in the closets shall be proclaimed from upon the housetops. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and afterward that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall, I, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless tonight, Lord Jesus. I, I pray that I make this clear. I know there's some that weren't here in the morning service. And Lord, I pray that they're not uh, confused at all by the direction that I go or, or the addition that I, uh, I make tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd, you'd guide my words, my thoughts, and you'd, Spirit of God, you'd bring clarity to them uh, so that the hearer would understand. And, and Lord, I yield myself to thee, to thy spirit, to thy power, for I, I can say nothing without your presence. And, oh, God, I need your presence every moment. And so, Spirit of God, I yield to thee and, and ask you, please, to right now, to please guard and protect the people of this church. And, Lord, there's some that are at home that couldn't be here. Lord, I pray that you protect them from evil. Lord, I pray that you wrap your arms around us as a mighty hedge of protection. And, Lord, that you would turn back every evil. Lord, you have the power. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So, Lord, I ask you to turn back every evil that might try to snatch away truth here tonight, please. In Jesus' name, amen. It's going to, uh, as we uh, go here tonight, and of course, uh, what we did dealt with, and I don't know how many weren't here this morning, but uh, because of the classes and different things, but uh, we, he said, beware that the leaven of the Pharisees, and, and we, we talked about this morning a little bit, is that Jesus clarified what that was. He said, the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And so we dealt with that a little bit, dealt even about uh, kind of what hypocrisy is and, and some different issues uh, about that. But I, I want to uh, just take a, a moment here and just uh, the latter part of that message. I, I said that 
hypocrisy. You know, of course, it, when we strive to live for the Lord, when we strive to be what the Lord wants us to be, when our heart's desire burns uh, to do what God wants us to do and we fall short of that, that's not hypocrisy, that's humanity. Uh, it, it, we, we've got to understand that so many times uh, uh, the world, the, 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 even Christians at times, they'll look at somebody who's fallen and say he's a hypocrite. Not, that's not necessarily a hypocrite. There, there may be somebody that, uh, you know, uh, we so often can become condemning of people when their sin is revealed. And the only difference between them and us at this moment is theirs is revealed and ours is not. And so we need to be very careful that we, we don't label people and we don't condemn people that way. And so, but what we, the, the premise of tonight, tonight, what we really want in this morning is we want to we strive toward being the kind of Christians that God wants us to be and what he's teaching us here and what he's going to challenge us about uh, here in just a moment. But uh, I said this morning that the, you know, there's really only uh, two, two types of people in here and 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 really and I say in here but in the world in Christianity and that's those that Sunday uh, and I said at least Sunday morning is is we we kind of get serious for God you know we kind of pull ourselves out of the bed and said I got to go to church and because I got to be right with God and so I, and we we show up for we're serious for God Monday is miserable Tuesday is tiresome and Wednesday we're we're simply worn out and Thursday we're totally waiting for Friday and Friday is freedom uh, because it's Friday, Friday is finally here, kind of done with the work week, and now we can party. And the uh, Saturday is uh, is to sleep away, kind of what we did Friday night, uh, or slip away and just enjoy the weekend. And, and but it, then it brings us back to Sunday morning, where it at the best we try to get serious for God again. And the truth, truthfully, what that does is that brings people in the door that are worn out and weary and and rejected and and de dejected and and uh, just really struggling to to strive, uh, struggling to survive. And you know, as they come in, that kind of weak, I said, makes them weak. It's it is humanity to love God and seek to do His will, but fail. This is not hypocrisy, but humanity. It is hypocrisy to claim to love God and live in, other, in front of others as though we do, but knowingly, intentionally, continually live contrary to Christ when you're away from the church and fellow Christians. And, and I'll be honest with you, as a leader, as a preacher, that's one of the hardest things that you deal with. Uh, when, you, when you work with people and counsel people and try to help people, and they will, they will give it an effort for a day, and the rest of the week, honestly, you, you hate social media because you see how they're living their life. And they know that this, they got to know. You've taught them, you've counseled them, you try to help them, but what Everything they're doing is leading them into destruction. And even when they're in the destruction, it seems like they can't grasp that what they're doing is what's led them into destruction. So uh, then I said that there, there's another way. And that's Sunday seeking him and his will through the truth that's taught and preached. And, and that's something that hopefully everybody walks in the door. And I thank you. Uh, you know, I'm always amazed that, that people like you, sincere people will come back here tonight. And I want you to know that I work, I strive, I pray, I beg God. I don't want you to come and just uh, feel like you've endured the pain. Okay? I want you to come and feel like something has happened, that something has helped when you leave. 
So, but Monday is, I, I believe, if we get up Monday morning and whatever we, we kind of pricked our soul Sunday, we're maintaining my search for God, God just to keep doing something in my life. And then Tuesday is taking the opportunity to stand for Christ. And then Wednesday is willingly desiring renewal through the meeting together. And that's what Wednesday's for, is to come back and kind of renew ourselves and re-strengthen ourselves to continue on. And then Thursday, we're totally striving uh, to continue in God's blessing and Friday is feeling exciting that Sunday is coming and that's what Friday is man to get done and that means the weekend is upon us but what does that really mean to a Christian that means the opportunity a little bit more freedom to tell some more people about Jesus to honestly uh, you know to be part of the ministry and I'll just say and I've taught this my whole life that be, look, spending some time with your family righteously is, the, is as much of the ministry as any other ministry. Saturday, serving the Lord and soul winning and spending time with family. And Sunday, you come back seeking His will through the truth again, but you come back, uh, you, you come back with your energy, spiritual energy levels is up because you've continued on. You know, folks... Uh, I, I did this for years. I, Saturday night, I would go, uh, Mike would know, and he would many years with me, but uh, I would go out on Saturday night and, and uh, during football season, play three or four football games on Saturday night. And I did this in my late 30s. I did it all the way through my 40s. I did absolutely nothing the rest of the week to condition for that. And I went out and I ran hard and I, I was always playing receiver or running back or a defensive back or something. So I was running all over that field. Can I tell you, Sunday morning when I would sit down in the pew, when they said, let's stand to sing. <laughs> I would stand and then they would sit down and I would say, You know why? Because I did nothing all week long to prepare for that. I just walked out there and ran again. And next week, and it would take me Monday, it was worse than Sunday. Tuesday, I wish I was dead. About Wednesday, I'm starting to revive. And Thursday and Friday, I'm getting a little strength back. And here I go do it again on Saturday. That's kind of the way we live our Christian life. Which means we come in and, and Sunday just, it really, forgive me, but Sunday is not a revitalization. Sunday is a depression. Because if you're, if you're going to be in a church like this, forgive me, I'm going to preach the word of God. I never try to hurt anybody. I never preach at any individual. I don't, I don't pick people out. But the word of God itself is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. So it's going to cut. It's going to cut. And when we have done nothing to spiritually condition ourselves all week, we're going to be sort of sore come Sunday. So, and I asked this morning, which one most closely pictures your week? And does your week make you strong or make you weak? Now, what I want to do, though, is to continue on with this. Jesus gives us challenges in this passage, and I want to take a look at some of these challenges. He says, 
I want you to look now. He says, beware, in verse 1, latter part of verse 1, beware you of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. He says, verse 2, look what he says. He says, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, nothing hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which you have spoken in the ear in the closet shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. You know, God is just simply saying, he's saying, now listen to me. He was teaching his men. He said, fellas, listen to me. Don't you get caught up in this fake Christianity, in this superficial facade. He said, don't you get caught up in that because, listen, you may look good to everybody else, but everything you do in the closet, everything you do in secret, I know. And it doesn't even even stop there. He said, not only do I know it, but one day it will be revealed. When will we grasp that our God seeth us? Or accept the truth that we will be held accountable for our actions and our words? That's why, you know, things hit me hard. It's, it's, it's not because, uh, you know, oh, no, you know, God's going to be upset with me. No, I'm held accountable for my words forever. I'm held accountable. When I stand before God, I, don't even, I can't even describe it to you because I don't know. I'll let everybody else that does know, that's never known and never seen it, but does know. I'll let them tell you what it is. But one day you'll stand before Christ as a Christian. And somehow, some way, we're going to give account of ourselves because our works are going to be uh, gold, silver, and precious stones or it's going to be wood, hay, and stubble. And I'll be even that. I'm not sure I totally understand. Some of my, I may be gold, silver, precious stones, and some of my works may be wood, hay, and stubble. Then Jesus, but the simple truth is, he's, he's trying to get through them. Listen, I'm going to warn you. You better make sure you understand this. Nothing's in secret. Then Jesus admonishes them to stand up for him Monday through Sunday, regardless of the attack that may come. That's what the next, look at verse 4, it says, And I say unto you, friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast you into hell. Yeah, I say unto you, fear him. Fear him. And, and look, he's, he's saying, God is saying very simply, he said, first of all, he said, I'm going to warn you that, that and maybe this will deter you. He said that all you do uh, while you're behind the closed door, I still see it. And all you do while you're behind the closed door will be revealed. So don't get caught up in that Phariseeism. And don't get caught up in that. And, and watch this. Listen. He's saying, don't get caught up to people who are his already. Do you understand? Now, the Pharisees were lost because they trusted in works. But Jesus is talking to save people, those who are trusting him. And he's saying, don't get caught up in their Phariseeism. So it's possible. Now, some will say it's not. But it's possible for us to act like Pharisees. It is more important what God knows of us than what man thinks of us. But here's what, what he's saying secondly. He's saying, okay, first of all, I'm going to warn you. Then I see everything that goes on. So you better, you better take thought of, of what, you're, what you're considering here now. But, and I, again, I say, I think it's because they had such great crowds. Everything's going on. We're humans. We get pumped up. We get puffed up. 
And we get caught up in that and somehow start to think that we're something. You know, I, I thank God that when you, when, when, uh, that, that the Lord will allow us to learn some things and learn some truths, that, that the, the size of the crowd is not the issue. It's the truth that you preach Amen. is the issue. And folks, you know, and people will say, well, that, you know, uh, oh, yeah, you're saying that uh, your crowd is not that big. Listen, I've, I've preached, the most I've ever preached to is 11,000 people in one service. So it's not like I haven't preached to a lot of people before. But I learned this, I learned this from a preacher, from a statement, but I also learned it through life. And that's, that's this, the, the, the size of the crowd is not the issue. It's preaching what God tells you to preach, the truth that he gives you, that's the issue. So it's more important. God is greater and he is to be the feared. Now, so the second point is, is, is the Lord's trying to, to look at them and saying, now, there's another enemy that's going to come to you. First, it's the pride of man. It's going to make you want to act like you're something you're not. going to want you to perform in front of people, but you're not really living it. He said, secondly, you're going to be hindered from taking a stand for me because of the fear of man. Because, uh, because of the ridicule or because of the accusation or because of the mocking or, or, or whatever. And, and Colby, you're going off to Bible college. And I'll just warn you, at Bible college, if you try to walk with God, if you try to stand for God, if you really seek God and you want to pay, stay on your face in prayer, there will be those that will make fun of you. That you think you're some super Christian. That you think you're super. Listen, God says, don't worry about them. Don't worry about those that even want to take. They, they go so far as they can take your life. He, and it's so funny because Lord says, what's the big deal? He said, do you understand? That's all they can do to you. And the Lord knows that, watch this, to die is not a bad thing. Hello? That's what he's saying. What's the big deal? He said, don't, don't fear them. The worst they can do to you is kill you. Now, for us, I think, now, wait a minute, time out. That seems like a little bad. But the Lord's saying, uh-uh. You see, the moment they take your life, you're with me. And, and, and we're about to get to where, why it's so important here, but I'll get on to it. But just... God said, don't fear. So secondly, don't fear what people do. He said, if you really want to fear somebody, you better fear me. People, and honestly, when he says this, I don't think he's addressing them. He's relaying to them. Here's the way I read it. He says to them, to his disciples, listen, fellas, they can't do anything but kill you. That's the worst they can do to you. They can't do any more to you after they killed you. But he says, them, after they die, I can cast them into hell. So he said, if somebody's better fear something, I don't think he's even really addressing them. He's saying, if somebody better fear, they better fear me. They better fear God. Now, Finally, not finally, but number three, Jesus encourages us, us and them, of course, encouraging them, but encourages us through the word of God that 
He knows our name. He knows every step we take. He knows every move that we make. He knows and he cares. You see, look at verse 6. It says, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? You know, the Lord comes and he, he said, look, okay, first of all, don't get caught up in your pride and think you're something you're not or even start portraying that you're something that you're not. He said, he said secondly, stand for me. Don't fear what they can do to you. And he said, thirdly, let me encourage you. I know who you are. Every step you take, I know where you are. Everything you go through, I know what you're going through. You know, folks, right now, whatever you're dealing with at work, whatever you're dealing with in life, do you know that God knows it? Did you know the Lord Jesus Christ knows exactly what you're going through? Well, Wayne, Molly, I, maybe you wouldn't mind me saying this, but, but I, I know that they sacrificially did something for Mike and Brooke. And I, I was blessed, but I knew when I looked at these things these, that they got from my, I, I knew that that was a sacrifice for that family. But you know what blessed my soul is when I got a text. Uh, it probably goes to my wife. My wife and I, all of our, just so you know, all your texts come back. You never know if which one of us are responding to you. <laughs> but get this text, and it says that the Pretty much if I understood it, that someone gave them the exact amount they had spent to help Mike and Brooke. You know what? I, I just get, I thought, God knows. He watches. He doesn't even just know that you did it. He knows exactly how much you spent to do it. God knows. He knows the good. He knows the bad. He knows. I'm going to have a, a mic one of these days as soon as I get Brooke and them to write it all down. I, I'm telling you, there is a story that's going on right now that most people don't even know, but it is amazing what God is doing. It is just absolutely amazing. It, it is to the point that, that, that if Brooke utters that she wants Anything or, or, you know, thinks. It's not really wants. It's just uh, uh, you'll say, what else do we need for the house? And she'll say, well, the only thing I can think of is, is this is missing. Folks, it's not an hour of past that we get it. It is the most incredible thing. We were at lunch today. And, and I'll tell part of your story. We were at lunch today, and, 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 and they were talking about the pork chops. Mike brought pork chops back from, from Michigan, and, and, I, and, and, and Brooke had made them. And, and she said something to the effect they'd be more tender if there's a crock pot. But, uh, but she, your mom has two crock pots, but can't find the lid to one crock pot. And the other crock pot that's new that I just bought her, that it, she burned the cord in, you know. Uh, she put the crock pot on the stove and turned the stove on. Anyway, the, uh, and so burned the cord up on it, and, and, and so she didn't have a crock pot. She, she said, but that's what we really need. We need a crock pot. Okay, they go to church. Fifteen minutes after they leave the church, just knock on my door, go to the door. And these people I had never seen before just drove from Millington, came over to our house. I walk out there, there are two things. Brooke said, you know, they don't have a microwave and they don't have a crock pot. These people come up and they, and they said, I hope she needs these things. They pull out a lawnmower for Mike. They pull out, uh, uh, you know, different things. And then she said, I'm not sure she'll need these, but it's two crock pots. 
a small one and a big one. And then there's a microwave. I'm like, this is crazy. I even looked at the people. I said, folks, do you understand? This is crazy. They're like, what's crazy? I I explained to them. Every time she utters something, it just happens. You know what? God knows. And watch this. Here, watch this. God has known for the last 10 years in Africa. And people say, well, why do they get all these things? Well, you go spend 10 years in Africa. You give up everything you, you have about three different, four different times. And I can't even, I, I, it's, it's beyond, I, it's so many things. It's, I could stand up here the, the whole day. It, it, I'm just, it, my whole brain is just kind of messed up right now. No comments. But he said, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore you are more valued than many sparrows. God said, I know you and I know what you're going through. So what are you really worried about? Just stand for me. Finally, we have a God that ever liveth to make intercession for us. But even more, he speaks, will speak proudly of us. Now, this is something that's amazing. to me. You know, God said to Satan about Job, he said, have you considered my servant Job? Now, these last two verses in this passage, I think, I don't think they're misused or abused, but I think that, that, that we don't use it normally in the primary meaning here. You see, the last two verses, he says, Also I say unto you, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall, he, shall be denied before the angels of God. You see, the key words in, the, in this passage, most of the time when I was going to Bible college, they would use this to get you to go out and witness for him. And if you're, not, if you're too embarrassed to witness for him, he's not going to speak for you. you know, he's a, I, I don't think that's the primary meaning of this, and I want to show you. The key words are confess and denieth. Now, through these words, I believe we find that Jesus is primarily talking about accepting or rejecting him as Savior. See, denieth means to deny, reject, or refuse. Denieth me. Denieth, reject, or refuse. Confess means to assent to, to profess, not to refuse. I don't think it is a horrible interpretation to say that if I do not stand for him and verbally tell others about him, that he will not tell the angels about me. And I want you to notice also when this this verse, verse, who he's talking to, it says that Jesus will tell the angels in heaven. Well, I'll be honest with you. That doesn't help me get saved, I don't think. But it's important to realize that these these verses, Jesus is not confessing to the Father, but to the angels in heaven. It's not a bad application of Scripture to say that if we do not tell others about Christ or tell others that we are a Christian, take a stand for Christ, that he will not tell the angels in heaven. For for I believe, again, in Job, when you see kind of an example that, that 
God is saying to uh, uh, Satan, have you, you, have you, have you, look, have you seen my servant Job? Have you checked out my servant Job? You know what, God, God's proud of Job. And he's speaking, testifying, confessing Job. And you know who he's confessing to? An angel. An angel. That's what Satan is. He's an angel. He's a fallen angel, but he's an angel. Now, if Jesus mentions those that stand for him, it could be assumed he does not mention those who do not. You understand? If he's going to mention Job, well, there's a lot of people he didn't mention. Those that don't, weren't righteous, weren't standing for him, were not mentioned. He didn't say to the angels, hey, uh, look, I'll get to it. But I believe that Jesus, the intercessor between God and man, when we confess or accept him, then he speaks for us in heaven. If we reject him, he simply does not. Remember, it says in Romans 10.10, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This confession is is salvation. This is what it's talking about here, I believe. When we confess him, maybe the reason, watch this now, maybe the reason there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repenteth is because Jesus confesses it to the angels. Why would the angel, watch, why do you think there'd be rejoicing in heaven? Now, we really don't even know what that means. It could be that, that Jesus is rejoicing. Uh, it could be that all the angels are rejoicing. I kind of believe that everybody's rejoicing over one sinner that repenteth. But, folks, angels are not omniscient. How do they know that man got, how do they know Alfonso got, well, Alfonso, how do they know Alfonso got saved today? Jesus confesses. Jesus tells him he got saved. And when he tells them, you know what they do? Woo! They start rejoicing. What's the truth behind all of this? Jesus wants us to stand for him. Stand, understanding the failure to stand will be revealed. To live in hypocrisy will be revealed. Stand because we have no fear of anybody else. We have nothing to fear. We're God's. Amen. We belong to him. Stand because he is with us always. He's with us. He knows where we are. He knows exactly what's going on right now. Stand for he has made it known to all of heaven that we are his. You know, the moment that I trusted Christ, November the 8th, 1975, from the scripture, I believe that Jesus confessed me to all the angels of heaven. And you know what happened? They rejoiced. They all rejoiced that a sinner had come to him. Christ says, in this whole passage, the only reason I decided to go ahead, it's just simply, he's just given us reason to stand, encouragement to stand. He's trying to show us that if we will, he'll be with us as we stand. And he just wants us to stand. Stand for him. That's what God wants. 
That's what Christ wants. That's what this whole passage was all about. It's not, it's not to, to, for all, all of us to, to, to feel down and discouraged. God always gives us a way to do what he's telling us to do. And he's telling us, stand for me truly. Let it be real inside of you. Let it be real in your life. Let it be real in your heart and your mind. Desire him. Folks, I, I beg you. God, I started to go to the next command about prayer. But look, prayer, when we pray, we need to desire God. God, I'm not saying words. I'm not just going through reciting some words to you. I'm not going repetition. Dear God, do something to me right now. Mold me, make me, change me. Why? So I can stand for you. It's a poem. It says this. It says, we've been asleep for, for way too long, allowing Satan to creep into all of our homes. It's time to stand up and let Satan know we're taking back all he has stole so long ago. Get up and take a stand. Don't allow Satan to devour our land. He is running to and fro, destroying our children everywhere he goes. Jesus didn't leave us helpless and defeated, yet we act as though we've been mistreated. Keep your eyes focused on the light. Be a soldier. Stand up for what is right. Put on the whole armor of God and be sure to keep your feet shod. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Stand up for Jesus. Stand up and fight. And that's what I'm asking tonight. It's, look, it's got to be more than a ritual routine. We're in a battle. We're in a fight. And folks, if I'm going to fight, I, I want to fight for God these days. I've been in way too many fights for myself. I want to fight for God. A long time ago, I... I I came and, and when Christ really started changing my life, I started understanding. I came to a realization that, that in athletics, anything that I wanted to do, it seemed like if I wanted it bad enough, I could do it. If I wanted to jump higher, I would jump higher. If I wanted to run faster, I found a way to run faster. If I, if I wanted to get stronger, I got stronger. If I wanted to make the team, bless God, I was going to make the team. Somehow, I was going to be able to do it. And you know, I, I just felt like, you know, I would run. I would stay out in the heat. I would go until people would pass out around me. I would keep going. And look, if I would do that for some earthly, fleshly thing called athletics, why in the world would I give that same strength and energy and intensity to God. I thank God for my daddy because he taught me to stand. Don't back away from a fight. Don't back away from anything. And listen, I'm not out there to prove I'm a man anymore, but bless God, I'm going to prove I'm a man of God. And the only way I can do that is trust God. And he's given me the plan and the program. There's nothing to fear. I just need to stand. Amen. Stand at work. Stand in the, in the grocery store. Stand at the gas station. Help us stand out in traffic. Just stand. And that's what I'm asking tonight. 
I hate to admit it, but I'm 63. Shut up. You just said that because you can't remember 63. And I hate it worse than anything that I get tired. Go out to do those hedges and I get about two-thirds of the way through and the only reason I don't lay down on the ground, two reasons I don't lay right out in that ground out there the other day when I was cutting those hedges. The only reason I didn't just lay down is because you got fire ants everywhere <laughs> and somebody's going to drive by and see an old bald-headed dude laying on the ground and call 911. And I come back up here, and Amy's in her office, and I'm soaking wet from head to toe, and all I can do is say, you need anything? And she says, no, sir. I said, I'm gone. I don't care what needs to be done. I'm out of here. You know, I don't like feeling that way, but let, let me just tell you, that just means, one, I've got to reach down with God's strength to keep going. I've got to keep seeking his strength. And number two, I need somebody coming behind me. DeMarcus. I need somebody coming behind me that's got more strength. I need some of you young men to turn it up a notch. Jeremy, I need you to quit school and just come on home. No. No. I need you to keep growing. And I'll say it again. The most important thing is to get spiritually strong. I don't care if you make an A, B, or C. I get spiritually strong. It means, Jordan, that we got to, I need you. I need these young men. I need Colby to get out to college and get on fire. And come back, and when he has a break, walk in the door and say, what do you need? We got to have it. Got to have some people to stand. Father, I pray that you bless.